Shabbat Shalom. Amen. Every time I come up here, I feel the intimidation of being in front of people because that's the way I am. When I played football back in uh, before high school and high school and college, before every game, you'd get those butterflies, you know, you get nervous. And then uh, after the first hit, everything started to go away and you kind of got with the flow of things. But um, it can be intimidating standing up here, no matter how many times you do it. And uh, so let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your blessings. I pray I bring forth your word in truth and in righteousness. I pray, Lord God, that every ear, Lord, would hear what you would have to say through me. And, Lord, that we would be the people of God that you have called us to be in Messiah Yeshua. Thank you, Lord. Amen. So I got some notes here that I wrote down because if you recall just a couple of weeks ago we had Shavuot and the rabbis asked me to preach on chapter 4 of the book of Acts they started with Acts 1 went through 2 went through 3 I don't know how much you remember of the, of the uh, chapters so I'm going into Acts 4 also. But to begin with, Acts is about the beginning of the Messianic community. God was going to do something so special and so powerful that it's our history. It wasn't just for back then. It's for us today. But this is our people, the Jewish people, and eventually the Gentile people who would come to believe in the Jewish Messiah, Yeshua HaMashiach. So this is our history, and it's a little bit of a history lesson. And as you start reading the book of Acts, chapter 1, into 2, into 3, into 4, and so on, we get an idea about what God had prepared for us, and what he wrote down for us in his word. So I want you to keep that in mind. And I want you to keep in mind, I'm trying to give you an image, a mental image. Put yourself back there. When I first became a believer, and, you know, I was trying to get to know things I had never known, and I was asking the folks who were discipling me and, and giving me instruction, well, where should I read? I was bar mitzvahed, but I really never read the Bible with any understanding or it didn't, you know, a lot of things didn't make sense. I didn't have the Spirit of God. I wasn't a believer in Yeshua. So I said, where should I start reading? And they pointed me to Old Covenant prophecies, Tanakh pro- pro- prophecies, and they said, the Gospels, a lot of people say, start with the book of Yochanan, John. And, but they said, the book of Acts. 
And the book of Acts is, like I said, an historical book. It's our book. It's our history. It's our people. You say, well, that was like 2,000 years ago. How could it be our people? Because those were those people who God put on this earth at that time to know him, to believe in him. And it was open to all. So as I get into this, I want you to put yourself in the place that we are those people. We're in Jerusalem. We're in Jerusalem. And we're here for the pilgrimage feast of Shavuot. And there's special things happening. Things that people were just all abuzz about. So this is the, the acts of the emissaries. Messiah gives us instructions through the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit, to the emissaries. And after his death, he showed many convincing proofs that he was alive during a 40-day period. A couple of scripture verses. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. If you ever want to know where to give a concise explanation of the of the gospel of the Bessorah, this is where you go. It's the gospel, the Bessorah in a nutshell. Chapter 15, 1 Corinthians. Now, brothers, I must remind you of the good news which I proclaim to you and which you received and on which you have taken your stand and by which you are being saved, provided you keep holding fast to the message I proclaim to you. For if you don't, your trust, and in some of your Bibles it'll say faith. Here uh, it's the word trust is substituted for faith, but it means the same thing. For if you don't, your trust will have been in vain. For among the first things I pass on to you was that I also received, namely this, the Messiah, Mashiach, died for our sins in accordance with what the Tanakh says. And he was buried and he was raised on the third day in accordance with what the Tanakh says. And he was seen by Kepha, then by the twelve, and afterwards he was seen by more than 500 brothers at one time, the majority of whom are still alive, though some have died. And later he was seen by Yaakov, and then by all the emissaries. And last of all, he was seen by me, even though I was born at the wrong time. For I am the least of all the emissaries, unfit to be called an emissary because I persecuted the Messianic community of God. That's Rav Shaul, of course. But by God's grace, I am what I am. And his grace towards me was not in vain. On the contrary, I have worked harder than all of them, although it, is, it was not I, but the grace of God with me. Anyhow, whether I or they, this is what we proclaim, and this is what you believed. But if it has been proclaimed that the Messiah has been raised from the dead, 
How is it that some of you are saying there is no such thing as a resurrection from the dead? Okay. That's the gospel, the, the, the Besorah in a nutshell. Messiah died for our sins. He was buried, and he rose from the grave on the third day. And if you believe in him and trust in him, put your emanah, your faith in him, you will be saved. You will have your sins forgiven. In Luke chapter 24, the last chapter of Luke, I want you to remember these scripture verses because it's a way for you. It not only builds up your faith, but when you can speak to others about the Messiah, you can direct them where to go. And you talk to them about 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And you talk to them about Luke 24. You can't make them believe it, but you can give them the seed. You can give them the information. So Luke chapter 24, I'm down on, at verse 25. He said to them, foolish people, so unwilling to put your trust in everything the prophet spoke. Now this is Yeshua speaking. He had risen from the dead. He was walking on the road to Emmaus, and he encounters two of the disciples, but they don't recognize him. So finally, he says that to them. Didn't the Messiah have to die like this before entering his glory? Then starting with Moshe and all the prophets, he explained to them the things that can be found throughout the Tanakh concerning himself. So this is what brought me to believe that Yeshua was the Messiah because I had never read it, like I said a few weeks ago when I spoke. I had never read it. It never been pointed out to me. But the, the Tanakh, the prophets, had declared that Yeshua and even Moshe. Now, if you go down to verse 44, Yeshua said to them, this is what I meant when I was still with you and told you that everything written about me in the Torah of Moshe, the prophets and the Psalms had to be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds so that they could understand the Tanakh, telling them here is what it says. The Messiah is to suffer, to rise from the dead on the third day, and in his name repentance leading to forgiveness of sins is to be proclaimed to all the people from all nations, starting with Yerushalayim. And you are witnesses of these things. Now I am sending forth upon you what my father promised to stay here in the city until you have been equipped with power from above. Then he said, a barucha. And now we're going to get more into where I want to go. So you see, I'm trying to lay out the, the, the groundwork of chapter one. I'm recapping what Rabbi Carol, Rabbi Michael started with Acts 1. So don't forget it, because I'm going to ask you later on the test. There is a test. 1 Corinthians 15, right? The gospel in a nutshell. Luke, the last chapter of Luke, 24. Remember, I'm giving you the answers to the test. The instructions were to not leave Yerushalayim. 
and to wait for what the Father promised, to be immersed in the Ruach HaKodesh. Yeshua is taken up in front of them, and two men dressed in white, no undoubt, to no doubt it was angels, tell them he will come back to them in the same way. So Messiah is coming back, but we've been waiting a pretty long time for us. Centuries have passed, but there's not a doubt in my mind that Yeshua is coming back. God's timetable is not our timetable. So they gather in the upper room, and single-mindedly in prayer, they're in great expectation because they knew Yeshua always delivered on his promises. Remember what he said in Yochanan chapter 7? I'll read that to you. Chapter 7 of John, verse 37. They were gathered for Sukkot at this point in the, in the uh, gospel. And the Prashim, or the Pharisees, were saying things about Yeshua. In verse 37, Now on the last day of the festival, Hoshana Rabbah, Yeshua stood and cried out, If anyone is thirsty, let him come, let him keep coming to me and drinking. Whoever puts his trust, his emunah, his faith in me, as the scripture says, rivers of living water will flow from his inmost being. Now he said this about the spirit, the ruach, whom those who trusted in him were to receive later. The spirit had not yet been given because Yeshua had not yet been glorified. So this is what Yeshua, why he told them to go, <clears throat> excuse me, to go to this place, which we call the upper room, and they gathered together in prayer, single-mindedly in prayer, worshiping God and waiting and waiting for what God had told them to do and waiting for the promise. The purpose for the immersion in the Ruach was to receive power, to be witnesses for Yeshua in Yerushalayim, in Yehuda, Judah, in Shomron, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. But that's for us also. Okay, that's the end of chapter 1 of Acts. Chapter 2, the Feast of Sukkot arrives as the believers are gathered together in one place. They're obeying God. And the roar and the sound of a violent wind filled the house where they were sitting. You remember reading that, I'm sure. And the tongues of fire separated and came to rest on each of them. And they were filled with the Ruach HaKodesh and began speaking in different languages as the Spirit enabled them. Don't forget there's languages of men and there's languages of the angels. It said that to us. Chapter 13 of, of the book of First uh, Corinthians, chapter 1, chapter 13, verse 1. So why? Why this outpouring of the Spirit? Why were they gathered? 
There were Jews here at Shavuot, one of the pilgrimage feasts from various parts of the world. You know, God instructed the Jewish people in Torah to gather three times, three times, Pesach, Shavuot, and Sukkot. And there were, there's a meaning behind each one of the feasts where God had wanted the people to gather. It wasn't just, hey, let's come together and, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll be buddies and we'll worship God. And there was, there was spiritual meaning. Behind Pesach was creation. Creation of what? Creation of the Jewish people. Here they were 400 years in slavery, these Hebrews. And God was going to bring them out through the Pesach, through signs and wonders and miracles. He was going to destroy the, these gods of Egypt and show the Israelite people that he had heard their prayer. So he was creating a people of his own, the Jewish people. And then comes Shavuot, where we are now. And in Shavuot, it's a harvest festival. Yes? And the Lord Yeshua said that the fields are white for harvest, that we need to gather in. Well, we've been gathering and gathering for roughly 2,000 years. But we're not done. For many reasons, the, the early believers were all Jews, right? Our history, Jewish people. But then it was going to go out to the rest of the world, which the majority of the world is non-Jewish. But God was creating a, he was giving a revelation at Shavuot. And the revelation would be that he would give Torah. It's uh, traditionally believed that God gave the Torah at this time. But he was gathering people together that he was going to pour out the Spirit of God. And the Jews and the Gentile folks were going to become one who believed in Yeshua. No longer did they need to be separate. Before, God had poured out his Spirit on some men, some people. And they were prophets. But now he was going to pour out his Spirit on all flesh, on everyone who believed. And that was such a blessing because we could all be empowered with the Spirit. It didn't matter if you were a direct descendant of Abraham and Yitzhak and Yaakov. All you had to do was trust in his Messiah, in the Son of God. Thirdly, the other pilgrimage feast, uh, Sukkot. The Jews were wandering, it says, in the, in the desert. God knew where they were. But they were moving around for 40 years. And God went from creation to revelation to now redemption. And he was bringing the people from the 40 years of wandering into a new land. A land that he promised to Abraham, to Yitzchak, and Yaakov. And that redemption, he brings us into the promised land. And God has blessed each one of these pilgrimage feasts, festivals, so that we could understand and believe it's not just something we do, but there's, there's a spiritual meaning behind each and every one. So Kepha begins to declare the words of the prophet 
Yoel. And in the last days, I will pour out my spirit upon everyone. Kepha declares the Bessarah, which I just went through in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. The gospel, the good news, he declares it. Yeshua demonstrated to have been from God by the powerful works that he did, the miracles, the wonders, and the signs. Did any of you see Yeshua do these signs? I don't think you're that old. I know I'm not. I read about it. Yeah, Roberta, you're not that old. I read about it. I heard about it. So I had to believe in something that I never saw. You ever have somebody tell you something? And, hey, you know, I don't don't know if I believe that. But here we're asked to believe in supernatural things that happen. Somebody died for my sins. He took on spiritual sins. Because you don't see sin, do you? You lie or cheat or steal or do whatever. Maybe somebody saw it, but it's a spiritual thing. It, it, it damages something about our spirit and our soul and even our bodies. But God made a way that we could be forgiven because he knew that the people that he created would stray from him. So the good news that Yeshua demonstrated from God, and he did these signs and wonders and miracles to show who he was. Because I haven't seen people doing signs, wonders, and miracles without the Spirit of God upon them. But he was arrested in accordance with God's predetermined plan and foreknowledge. The Scriptures say, by wicked men who nailed him on a stake and killed him. Cephas says, let the whole house of Israel know that God has made Yeshua both Lord and Messiah, whom they executed on a stake. God came down, the Son of God, into the body of a man that he would be Lord. He would be Mashiach. But death could not keep its hold on him. And he has been exalted to the right hand of God. God prophesied that in Psalm 110. He would be at the right hand. And the Holy One shall not see decay. Psalm 16. God prophesied, told us everything he was going to do before he did it. On hearing this, they, the people, were cut to the heart. You know what that means. There was something that happened in them spiritually. It happened to me. I knew I was going to go to hell when I first heard the gospel because I hadn't lived anything like a holy life. But I thank God he made a way for you and for me and all of us and all the earth to be saved, to be forgiven. So they said to Kepha and the emissaries, brothers. He said, brothers. He didn't say, hey, who? I don't know you. 
This is a Jew speaking to Jews. It's a pilgrimage feast. It takes place in Israel. It takes place at a certain time in history. Brothers, what should we do? And here is the answer for them, for us, and for all that we can reach with the truth. Remember a few weeks ago when I preached and I talked about the blood, the blood, the blood? How could you forget that? The blood. And I do that for a reason, so that you'll remember. It was the blood of Yeshua, the blood of the promised Messiah. It was, wasn't now an animal. It was God in the flesh. The blood cleanses us of sin. And nowhere in Judaism today is that practiced the way God said it should be done because that was the final blood atonement for all time. So the answer to them and for us with the truth, turn from sin, he preached. Return to God. Turn from sin, return to God, teshuva. Now, you hear that word teshuva at the Day of Atonement on Yom Kippur, which is coming up in a few months. But we should have that word in our hearts daily. Every day I wake up, I start talking to God, and I said, Lord, forgive me for any of the sins I did yesterday or today as I get up. Turn from sin, return to God. In other words, teshuva. What it's saying is repent and return. So repent and return is the key. Teshuva. You're going this way and you want to turn around and go that way. Because over here is the way you were going and that's sin. And God is saying to teshuva, turn around and come over here because I'm over here. Turn from sin and return. Turn from sin and return. And then each be immersed in the authority of Yeshua the Messiah into the forgiveness of sins and receive the gift of the Ruach HaKodesh. We have to get this deep, deep, deep within us. We have to know that every day we're coming to God afresh. Yes, we're believers, but we just can't rest on our laurels. Doesn't the scripture say, say to work out our uh, salvation in fear and trembling? In other words, don't get haughty. Don't get proud that you're a believer. Stay humble. Stay humble. Humility. So each be immersed in the authority of Yeshua. Because, you know, Jewish people turn in their hearts and repent, but to who? Who haven't? The non-Messianic community goes through certain rituals and things that they do, but they're not coming to Yeshua, just like I didn't at what point in my life. But when you come to Yeshua, who is the atonement, who is the blood sacrifice, then we have something new. Something we never had before. And that's what the gospel is all about. And that's why God is using each one of you here to tell somebody. Maybe it's just one person. One person. 
a friend, a relative, a co-worker, a neighbor. Maybe you're praying for somebody on the other side of the world. You don't even know. God laid somebody on your heart in a vision, in a dream. I know somebody must have been praying for me. And even now, every time I think about it, there was this guy. I was living in Florida. I was in the Air Force. And I saw this guy walking around. I lived near the beach, so this guy was walking back and forth. And he was a young guy, but I was just suspicious about him being out there. So I go out to him. I said, what are you doing here? And he had a book in his hand. It turned out to be the Bible. And he was waiting to get picked up by a friend. And he was going to a, I think, a revival meeting. And he asked me if I ever read the Bible. And I said, no, uh, you know, as Bob Mitzford um, said, I don't understand it very well. He says, well, you won't understand it unless you have the Holy Spirit. Okay. He was a Christian. I said, yeah, right. Okay. We'll see you later. You know, why do I remember that little incident? Why? Because God put it into my memory. I don't remember what I did last week. But I do remember certain things that happened in my life where God was moving upon my life. All right? And I'm sure certain things like that have happened to you. So God gave us the gift of the Ruach when we believed in Yeshua. You know, the name Yeshua, it's not like a magic word that we say. you got to believe what he did. You, the, the gospel is that he, the Son of God, came and died for our sins on that tree of sacrifice. He was buried and he rose from the grave on the third day. We can stand up here and preach this day after day after day. Why? Because it's true. Because it's happened. Because it's what we need to hold on to. No matter what the world tells you, you're crazy. You shouldn't believe in that. And look how evil you are. That's not who we are now. We have turned from sin and returned to God. And we're believing in Yeshua as the one who we can trust in for salvation. So this gift, Kepha says, of the giving of the Ruach is for you and for your children and for those far away. That's us. And as many as Adonai, our God, will call. So he pleaded with them, and 3,000 accepted and were immersed that day. 3,000. 3,000 men. I'm sure there were doesn't count the women and the children, but I'm sure there were a lot more than 3,000. Okay, that's Acts 1 and 2. Acts 3 and 4, they share the development of the Kehila of Adonai. The Kehila. Now, that's a Hebrew word. It means the community. The called out ones for us in In um, English terms, they use the word church. So we don't use church. The word kahila came long before they ever thought of the word church. I'm going back to the original 
language for us because it has more power, more meaning to me. I went to churches in the past, and I heard the gospel, but I didn't hear it preached to me in a Jewish way. And God brought me into the Messianic community after a time that I was in the church. I love my brothers and sisters in the churches. But I believe when the gospel was first preached, since it took place in Israel, since it took place through the Jewish prophets, since it took place through a Jewish Messiah, so shouldn't it have remained in a Jewish way? Yes, there's been some anti-Semitic things that have happened over the centuries. But I believe God is returning to and, and raising up Messianic communities throughout the earth. Here in America, in Israel, in uh, South America, in Europe. It might be just a trickle of people coming in, but I believe it's going to be a flood. So, the key, the kahila of Adonai, the community, through the Ruach, reaching the Lord's Jewish people, and the non-Jewish people should not feel left out, because as the Jews come to Adonai and trust in Yeshua as Messiah, so the non-Jewish people will hear and see and come to follow the Messiah. Doesn't it say in Zechariah, I looked it up again because I forgot exactly where it was, but chapter 8, I believe, in Zechariah, 7 or 8, where a Jewish person, and it says 10 people from the nations, the Gentiles, come and want to take the hold of the hem, probably the tzitzit, the garment of this Jewish man, because they say, take us to the Lord, because we know that you know him. That's a future prophecy. That hasn't happened yet. Just like in 1948, chapter 66, the last chapter of Yeshiahu of Isaiah, that God brought forth a nation. Can God bring forth a nation in a day, it says? Probably all of us have seen uh, on TV or somewhere that that radio broadcast where they're voting for the uh, bringing Israel into the League of Nations, right? To the League or United Nations, whatever it was at that time. And that was actually probably 47. And I think it was it Guatemala, the last country that voted. I'm not sure. It was one of the Central American countries that voted in Israel. And then they were declared a nation. I remember seeing it in um, the movie Exodus, right? Paul Newman. Anyways, it's, uh, it was a powerful moment. Why? That was a fulfillment of prophecy. That was a fulfillment of chapter 66 of Isaiah. So we're living in an area where more and more of the final prophecies of scriptures are being fulfilled. So getting into Acts 3, the man who was crippled, 
This is what it says. At the beautiful gate of the temple is ministered to by Kepha and Yochanan. The man receives strength in his crippled feet and begins to walk and leap, praising God. Kepha addresses the people because all these Jewish folks of Israel, they're amazed. Kepha, of course, gives the glory to the God of Abraham, Yitzchak, and Yaakov, the God of our fathers, glorifying Yeshua. Then in his Besorah, in his good news address, in his presentation, he explains how the holy and innocent one was executed. But God has raised him up from the dead, and he calls him the author of life. He explains trust that comes through Yeshua, and his name has given healing to this man. It wasn't, like I said, just Yeshua. It's a magic word, you know. Um, what are the, when you were a kid, they used to say different, alakazam or something like that, you know. It wasn't that. It was trust in the name of the Son of God who died, who was buried and rose from the grave on the third day. Praise his name. But God raised him up from the dead, and he calls him the author of life. He explains trust that comes through Yeshua, and his name has given healing to this man. Further, he announces that God fulfilled what he had spoken through all the prophets, that Messiah was to die, what the prophets, the Jewish prophets, of the Tanakh, of course. What, what prophets was he talking about is what I'm trying to get at here. He was talking about the Jewish prophets. Tanakh, Old Covenant, Isaiah 53, Psalm 22, Daniel chapter 9. If you don't know what I'm talking about, you're welcome to come and talk to me after service. I'll tell you about how to tell people the truth. You can't make them believe it. But these are the scriptures that God gave to us which they go over a lot in the Brit Chadashah, the, uh, the New Covenant. These are brought out again, and that's why I came to believe. And that's the foundation for your faith. Just like this building, when we were building this building, and underneath these carpets, we built the foundation, and then we had kids and people write scripture, scriptures written under this carpet. I haven't remembered that in a long time. But we wrote with magic markers, scripture verses here. And we were dedicating the building and this place to God. So Kaif encourages the people to teshuva, to repent and return. Repent of what? Repent of sin. Turn away. So the, their sins may be wiped out. They will be refreshed by the Lord's presence, the Ruach HaKodesh. All right, finally, we're getting into Acts 4 and the end of the message. Acts 3 flows into Acts 4. Why? What happened in the beginning? The man that, that's crippled is healed. And into Acts 4... Three, they're, they're preaching the gospel again to them. And then <clears throat> this, this gentleman is roughly, it says, more than 40 years old. So everybody knew 
they saw him. They saw him jumping and leaping and praising God. So now Acts 4, as Kepha and Yochanan were still speaking, the temple police, it says, that, and that Sudokim, who is the Sadducees, were greatly dis- disturbed because they were teaching and proclaiming the resurrection of the dead using Yeshua as proof. So remember, you're all there. We're all there. Okay? I told you to put an image in your mind. That's you. That's me. I was told to read the book of Acts, and I read it like an historical book that I was there. You could see how the gospel, the good news, the Besorah, went forward from Yerushalayim and then began to progress into the other parts around Yerushalayim and then to the world. As God enabled them, they had the power of the Ruach. Remember Kepha? He was denying Yeshua. He was scared. He didn't want to die. But when he received power of the Ruach, folks, he was out there proclaiming the power, and God was moving through him and healing the blind, the sick, the lame, raising the dead, healing those cripples. That's what it's about. That's why we need the Ruach, and that's why every believer receives the gift of the Holy Spirit, something you, you never had before. I never had until you became a believer. And then he tells us to be filled Daily, filled, filled, filled. If we're not filled daily, we're lacking something. Because it's not just one time, but over and over again, many times, we want to be filled. So the Sadducees, they didn't believe in the resurrection of the dead. On the other hand, the Pharisees did. Those are the two main ruling religious class of the time. Um, the, the Sadducees, they believed in, in uh, the things that were revolving around the temple worship. And the Pharisees later on, well, not later on, but they believed more in um, uh, uh, the word of God and proclaiming the word of God, which was a good thing. But they got involved in so much legalism that Yeshua himself criticized them for their legalism. They became hypocrites to what they were telling people what to do and the way to live their lives. Then they arrested them, meaning Kepha and Yochanan, and kept them overnight. But, glory to God, many who heard the message trusted, and the number of men alone who believed, the Scriptures say, was 5,000. Now, I'm not sure if that was... 3,000 and then 2,000 were added, or if it was 5,000 that day. But 5,000 more, we'll say, came. And that doesn't even mention the women and the children. The next day, the rulers and elders, and don't forget, this is a Jewish movement. This is a Messianic Jewish movement. This is history. The next day, the rulers, elders, and Torah teachers asked them, by what power or in what name do you do this? Kepha, and take notice of this, filled with the Ruach HaKodesh, declares that this man who was disabled has been restored to perfect health in the name of the Messiah Yeshua from Nazareth. 
from Nazareth, whom you executed on a stake, but whom God has raised from the dead. Then he said, salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to humankind, given to mankind by whom we must be saved. I don't know, has anybody been saved in the name of Allah? Or in, in um, the name of Confucius, Muhammad, um, Mary, whoever you want to think of, whatever religion you want to proclaim. Hindu, they believe in many gods. I had someone, uh, actually uh, an Israeli, I tried to witness to once. He says, well, I've seen people healed in, in my mother's name. I said, give me a break. You know, that's, you know, it doesn't happen that way. So, salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven by which mankind must be saved. So they're ordered by the Sanhedrin and rulers to not speak to the people in the name of Yeshua. What's their reply? It's direct and it's to the point. Whether it is right to listen to you rather than to God, they're going to listen to God and they're going to preach the word. Now, I'm not telling you to go and... I know some people have gotten themselves in trouble trying to preach during work time, and uh, that can be difficult, especially if you're told, don't do that. But maybe lunchtime, you're not working, or a break, or you meet somebody after work, or you meet somebody in the supermarket, or somebody you see is in need, and you get a chance to give them the truth, the truth of the gospel. So we're not going to stop preaching. What if this country said you can't speak to people? It's like China has told women for years that they could only have one baby. And I'm sure there are many folks who have had more than one baby uh, because they were being denied their human rights, the rights that God gave them. There's many things. Uh, What if we were in a, a Muslim country and they told us not to preach You know, I thank God for this country. There's a lot of things wrong with this country. A lot. And it's gotten worse and worse. But you can preach the word here. You can tell people about what the truth is. So their reply was direct and to the point. We're going to listen to God, not to you. Because it says that the man that was healed, everybody knew him. He was more than 40 years old. And they saw that he was up jumping and leaping, and he's healed by somebody who the Sadducees are saying didn't get raised from the dead. They said it was impossible. We don't believe in the resurrection. So, But they, even the Sadducees saw that he was healed. So they left. And upon their return, their release, they reported to their own people everything that was said to them. And they started to praise God, and they glorified his name as creator 
of heaven and earth, the sea, and everything in them. Don't we do that every day or every Shabbat, maybe every day, that we worship God and we praise God? And I, I, thank, I thank the Lord every day when I get up that he's, I praise him that he's the creator of heaven and earth. He created me. He created all life. He created all the fish. He created all the birds. He created all the insects that we don't like. He created all humankind. He created, you know, I love to watch the, uh, those nature shows on TV where they go underwater and they're in the coral reefs and they're, they're filming the, the, all the animals, all the fish in the sea down there. It's so beautiful. Or, or all the, you know, you, you go to uh, Alaska and you see all the wildlife. That's God's creation. I don't see how people can say we all came out of one cell that started sometime billions of years ago. Okay? I always say that. Probably get tired of hearing it. Anyways. So they asked for boldness to speak the word and for Adonai to stretch out his hand to heal to do miraculous signs and wonders through your holy servant, Yeshua. While they prayed, the place where they were gathered was shaken. They were all filled with the Ruach HaKodesh, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. They were in one heart and one mind, the scriptures say. And that's got to be us. It's got to be us. We have to be in one heart and one mind. You know, the rabbis do a great job here. This congregation was founded by Dr. Gannon, who's going to be here on June 20th, I think it is, for the 35th anniversary of the congregation. And then Ashley Crane took over for, I think, about five years. And then Rabbi Michael, and he went down to Australia, back to his hometown, and he he's, was, I think he is president of a Bible college down there. And then Rabbi Michael and Rabbi Carol took over the reins here, and they have been leading us. And you know why? I, I was in churches in different places before here. I went to Bible college for a while. You know, it's all about preaching the word and walking in holiness and representing God in a righteous way because we are the people of God. If you don't have holiness and righteousness in the leadership, you got a problem because that's what happens where all of these different ministries where the leader falls to sin. You know, and I respect Rabbi Carol, Rabbi Michael. You know, they lead us in, in the holiness and righteousness of God. I didn't have that in my notes, but I just it came to my heart. I wanted to say that. So it's we are being led here by people who are people of integrity. And that's what you need in a ministry. You need in every aspect of life, really. All you got to do is pick up Newsday and read it every single day, and you see how many people are cheating and lying and getting put in jail and shooting each other, and politicians are going to jail, and politicians are getting away with things that they're going to go to jail for later that they haven't been caught at yet. And there are some good politicians, I'm sure. There must be one out there. But there are so many wrong things being done in this earth and God's called us to a higher standard. And that's what, that's what it's all about. So the place where they, were filled, where they were was shaken by the Ruach. This is truly the historical facts holding up our faith. 
We are family. Mishpucha. We are light in a dark and a dying world. The light within us is our trust in Yeshua as Messiah and our infilling of the Ruach HaKodesh. Adonai gave each and every one of us a free gift of the Ruach when we believed. But yet he tells us to be filled continually over and over again. Sometimes our light can grow dim. So how do we make sure to remain bright? Pray. When you get up, start praying, thanking God for, the ne- for that day. Read and study the scriptures. Remain bold in reaching the believer. For this message, the preparation of this message, I tried to get into the scriptures. Acts 1, 2, and 3. I read it several times. And I wanted to, and I read commentaries, and I wanted to be able to give you the word of God so that I prayed that God would inspire me to inspire you. Because next week you're going into chapter five, and then you're going into chapter six of Acts, and so on through the book. And God calls us to know his book, to know his word. Because all scripture is God breathed. God breathed. Holy Spirit breathed. He tells us, to, tells us to be filled. Pray, read, study the scriptures, and remain bold in reaching the unbeliever. In this way, Adonai will keep on filling us. Our light will shine and shine. So let's stand. Let's stand and pray for a moment. Lord, I thank you, Lord God, for your blessings, for the Ruach HaKodesh. I pray, Lord, you'd shake us, that the fire of God would fall here and fall throughout Long Island and fall throughout the the earth, Lord God. Lord, we know your word, but Lord, utilize us, fill us, fill us to overflowing. Fill us, Lord God, that we would bring forth your word, that we would remember that we would understand, that we would be able to reach the lost. And Lord, I pray for the glory of the living God to transform us and change us, that we would be bold like Kepha and Rav Shaul and the others who preached the word. And in the historical context of the book of Acts, Lord, that we would be the people of the book of Acts today. In the name of Yeshua HaMashiach, amen. Amen. Evan, you want to come up? Amen. Thank you, Gary. Uh, okay. uh, Gary just said that uh, if anyone would like to have prayer afterward, uh, Gary will be available. On the team, so uh, I'm just going to bless everyone as we uh, go out into our Shabbat. Yevarecha Kadonai Varishbanecha Yarer Adonai Panavilecha Vehunecha Yitzar Adonai Panavilecha Vesemlecha Shalom. May Adonai bless you 
and keep you. May Adonai make his face to shine on you and show you his favor. May Adonai's May, may Adonai lift up his face toward you and give you peace. Abba, I thank you for each one in this place as uh, we go forth onto our Shabbat, Lord, that you would be with us. In Yeshua's mighty name, amen.